Welcome to the Texas Values Report. This is Jonathan Sines, president of Texas Values. Great to be with you on another glorious week in the Texas capital, Austin, Texas, where we're broadcasting from and across the great Lone Star State. Hey, I've got some good news for y'all. All right, the U.S. Supreme Court has issued a ruling on the two cases before it related to the Texas heartbeat law. And again, the Texas heartbeat law has prevailed at the U.S. Supreme Court. Not only that, But the lawsuit brought by the Department of Justice, by President Biden, has been completely dismissed. Okay, we've been calling that Biden versus babies. You know, you know, I like alliteration, right? Biden versus babies, babies win. Okay, now there was another court decision that also worked out fairly well and resulted in the heartbeat law continuing to be intact, as our lieutenant governor said, remain in effect. Whatever words you want to use still allows it to be fully enforceable. We'll unpack a little bit about that in just a minute, but I just wanted you to know that breaking news from earlier today. Texas heartbeat law prevails at the U.S. Supreme Court, remains fully enforceable. Department of Justice Biden administration's lawsuit completely dismissed. The one by the abortionists allowed to move forward, but in a very weak and limited way and did nothing to disturb the law being in effect, which means we're continuing to save lives every day because the abortion providers are very unlikely to uh, to start performing abortions based on this ruling. They know that uh, they put themselves in a lot of legal jeopardy and we're up to, I think, 15,000 lives safe. But we got a great guest today and she knows a lot about this topic. So excited how timely to have her on today. Abby Johnson is one of the most recognizable pro-life voices across the country, not only in the state of Texas, but she is a Texan. She's also a proud fighting Aggie. Okay, y'all know I'm a Longhorn. I'll do my thumbs up. I, like, I love my Aggie friends, especially the pro-life ones. Uh, but she had a movie made about her life, had a book, probably so much that you know about her. She continues to do tremendous work for the pro-life issue. And one way that she does that in the ministry that she runs, and then there were none, but also with her strong and recognizable voice. Abby, welcome back to the Texas Values Report. Of course. Thank you for having me on. You bet. Well, we're seeing each other a lot more these days. I saw you in D.C. last week. You spoke at an event that we had in Wednesday in the Dallas-Fort Worth area in Plano. And I was remarking a little bit about our event there with your other fellow Aggie, Governor Rick Perry, about hearing your voice when I was at the U.S. Supreme Court last week. And I'm sure you got at least to see a little bit about the ruling this morning on the Texas heartbeat law. Last week was the Dobbs case. That is the case out of Mississippi where Roe versus Wade is being directly challenged. A lot riding on that decision and could impact the Texas heartbeat law as well. But um, I want to talk a little bit about that, about just that experience last week, sort of where we are in in the pro-life movement and and really what's next. A lot of people anticipating Roe versus Wade could be overturned and what that looks like. But I was there in the crowd. All right. And I heard you because I was doing some interviews and a couple of things with friends. I've been to the Supreme court several times. A few times I've been inside the court room in the court building, but I've been outside for the most part. And um, this was the largest group of people I have seen at the U.S. Supreme Court. Usually I'm there because there's some big case that everybody's talking about. Uh, but it was quite encouraging because I felt like it was a lot of people from our side. I know you've been up there before, but uh, tell us a little bit about why it was important for you to be there and sort of what you took away from that experience. Yeah, it was uh, definitely an interesting day. It was a, a day full of 
I, I think, great hope for the pro-life movement. We definitely, I, I feel like, I, I don't know about you, but I felt like we outnumbered the uh, pro-abortion group that was there. You know, it was sort of interesting because you had this, you had sort of these two groups of people and, and the police had us barricaded, you know, quite literally uh, barricaded into two different camps. Yeah, and there was like uh, opening two right in between the two. Did you see that? Yes. Maybe there was like a little aisle. Up. Yeah, <laughs> so an aisle. That's a good way to say it. And, you know, on one side, you know, we had our speakers set up and, you know, there were stories of, you know, moms who had chosen life and, and then also, you know, moms who, um, had chosen abortion and they were sharing their abortion regret and moms who had chosen life and, and, you know, their children had an adverse diagnosis, but they loved their children and, um, you know, how much their children had blessed their lives. And, uh, you know, we had pro-life, uh, Congress, Congress people there. And, and just, I mean, it was just these stories of hope and, and, you know, stories about the love of God and, and just, you know, all of these great testimonies. Right. And then, you know, juxtaposed to that, just, you know, right across from us, you've got these angry, angry women and they've got bullhorns and they're just screaming and just this vile vitriolic language. And, um, it was sad, you know, and they have a, you know, posters, you know, just talking about abortion and, and, you know, a poster up saying, you know, abortion forever. And they're taking, well, supposedly taking abortion pills, you know, oh, they're yeah. at I the saw that. court. Yeah. I saw that little publicity stunt they were doing afterwards. I didn't see it when I was there, but I saw it reported later. Um, them literally taking these pills that would kill the baby in their womb to sort of demonstrate and I don't know mm -hmm. if any of them were actually pregnant, uh, but, you know, it's just this glorifying it was. of taking life, this glorification and this celebration, if you will, on their part of ending human life. Of, of death. death. It was yeah. it was a of celebration death. of death, you know, and it was just this complete you saw how polarizing, you know, and, and it just this issue is and and just the complete uh, opposite sides oh. that we're on. Right. I mean, we're not, we're not talking about no. being pro-choice. They, these people were not pro-choice. The people that were there were pro-abortion. They yeah, no, were no for doubt. abortion. They were celebrating abortion. That's a really great point. We're talking with Abby Johnson. She leads a wonderful ministry called, and then there were none pro-life leader. Many people know her story. She was the leader of a Planned Parenthood clinic in Texas. That's where the 40 Days for Life movement started uh, in College Station. Uh, prayer changed her life. An experience watching an ultrasounded guided abortion changed her life. She became pro-life. Check the book out. Check the movie if you haven't seen it. And she's now one of the most recognizable pro-life voices. We're talking about her experience at the U.S. Supreme Court. If you're watching this on Facebook, on social media, like it, share it, put it in some groups. Let's get more people involved in watching and hearing the conversation. Put some comments in. Maybe we'll answer some questions. But, Abby, you know, I heard your voice, and I know your voice well. A lot of people, they haven't seen you in person before. So I think a lot of people can be transformed by your presence in your testimony, right? The, and I'm sure it bothers the other side to know uh, uh, as well that the fact that your experience, your existence, and, and, and I know at one time they wanted to shut you up from the beginning. They were threatening lawsuits and all kinds of things. I think there even was a lawsuit mm -hmm. to muzzle you, if you will, because they know the power 
of your message. And so I think it's great to continue to hear you and to see you out there and other people to be inspired by that. But yeah, I mean, you look at the differences between the two in, in the abortion movement has definitely gone from sort of, you know, this is a tough decision and, you know, rare, safe and legal to this just sort of radical extreme position of glorifying the innocent taking of a human life as we know more about the baby in the womb. And so I think that was on display and also on display, just the incredible numbers, right? And it's almost like the other side, they sort of have to make fun of it or mock it or glorify it in such an extravagant and sort of, you know, kind of strange and weird way in order to downplay really the reality of what they're doing. But I saw the numbers on our side, three, four, five, if not times as many people. And I saw a lot of people, older people and younger people that I've known for years. It just seemed like key people understood the history potentially of that moment and wanted to be Mm -hmm. there that day. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was historic. I mean, this is what, this is really what the pro-life movement has been waiting on for almost 50 years. And it was, it was, it was interesting though, to listen to the arguments made um, by the justices and sort of the, the questions that were posed by the uh, justices. I felt like this was, uh, justice justice Thomas's time to really shine. He made, uh, some great or, or posed some great questions to, uh, Biden solicitors and, uh, did a really great job. And he was sort well, of made for that moment no, I think, he, and had been was, waiting for that moment. He, and he has in, in preparing and he knows it so well. I mean, he's been on the court for quite some time. He's heard a lot of these arguments and seen these things play out. As a matter of fact, there was an exchange where I believe he was responding to either a question that was asked by Kavanaugh or brought up, and then Sotomayor said something about it, but he sort of jumped into the conversation, and and they they were talking about why sometimes they overrule decisions and why sometimes they sort of, you know, come up with a way to balance some of these interests, And and the question was sort of lingering out there, why is this any different? And he was like, well, the reasons it's different is because those cases didn't involve the taking of an innocent human life. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm like, bingo. That's it. Absolutely. (laughs) That's it. Yeah. No, um, that's why we're all there. That's right. Yeah, this is different. And, uh, you know, then, you know, there were a a couple of moments where uh, Biden solicitors were really backed into a corner. They were talking about Plessy and, and, um, you know, well, it's, it's okay to overturn precedent, right? Wasn't it okay to overturn precedents, you know, there and, and, you know, she's like, I don't know, Ooh, you know? <laughs> um, and, and so yeah, it was it's hard to be, you know, trying to be consistent. Right. And, um, I was even surprised at, you know, with the line of questioning with, uh, the chief justice Roberts, he's been, rather disappointing over the past few years and uh and even his line of questioning i was very pleasantly surprised um you know coney barrett we we don't know how she's going to be she brought up some great points concerning uh you know baby safe haven laws adoption i thought it was great how this this solicitor this you know uh biden solicitor is is (laughs) she's sitting there talking about how women need to have abortions, how women cannot fulfill their educational goals or career goals. She's saying that Amy Cody Barrett. I I know. I was like, Amy, come on. Justice Justice of the Supreme court. Who's a mom of seven. How could someone like me be here? You know I mean? Oh, 
and, and I imagine that thought crossed her mind and that might have sort of blurred the lines of her role, but I'm like, what better like, chance it, to say, say it. it? Oh my gosh. That was so interesting. I, I want to pull up a quote here. I'm trying to find this on my phone because, um, and I'm going to sort of inject the Texas heartbeat law ruling from earlier this morning. If you haven't heard the news yet, the U.S. Supreme Court has issued its ruling on the two cases before them related to the Texas heartbeat law. On one of the cases, complete victory. The Biden administration's DOJ assault on the Texas heartbeat law dismissed, gone, victory, eight to one. The other one, really still a tremendous prevailing of the Texas heartbeat law. They didn't do anything to change its effect. It's completely enforceable. All that the abortion side gets to do is go back into court uh, at the lower level and find some maybe narrow window and a couple of people that they can try to pick at. And in that ruling, they also made it clear that state court judges and clerks can in no way be prohibited from hearing from folks on our side, if you will, that want to enforce the law if abortion is performed after a heartbeat is detected. But I want to mention something that Ed Whalen said about the case today because he references, uh, well, it reminds me of what, I, what's, what we heard in some of the oral arguments. He's talking about the, um, the abortionist case from today on the Texas heartbeat law. The ruling strikes me as overall a big loss for the abortion providers. The only defendants whom they can pursue for relief are state licensing officials who might pursue them down the road for violations of the Texas heartbeat law. The ruling does nothing to remove the threat of lawsuits for the violation of the act. Ed Whalen goes on to talk in his piece about be careful about what conclusions you come to based on oral arguments. Because if you heard the oral arguments in the Texas heartbeat law, you might have been like, I mean, there were some good points that you and I brought up, but there's some other times where it was like, boy, gosh, you know, uh, and I'm uh, in relation to Dobbs, but there was some time in the heartbeat oral argument where I know some of us were like, boy, I'm not sure, you know, how this is going to turn out really could be um, challenging to, to know. So the same with the Dobbs case, right? So maybe some justices were more quiet. Maybe some weren't. We got to be careful how we analyze it. And it may be some things that we didn't hear. Um, and there's some stuff in the heartbeat law decision, some concurring opinions. I want to see what they're saying. But it can be really hard to know what they're really thinking. What only matters is what comes down um, on a ruling. And so there is a lot of optimism uh, from what we heard in the oral arguments. We don't know that that'll mean there'll be a victory, but it surely seems to tip things that way. And if there's a victory on the Dobbs case, this case out of Mississippi, you're almost surely to see the, the other challenge against the heartbeat law go away in effect, if not completely. Um, but I think the boldness, too, to your point of Thomas and others, now being able to have an opportunity um, to talk a lot about this issue, to challenge the other side, and to force them. Another exchange I thought was interesting, Abby, was when I believe it was Sotomayor suggesting, not even really suggesting, stating that nothing has changed since right. 1973. There's been no medical advances, nothing. Everything's exactly the same. And we're and many of us are over there going, could be further from the truth. Right. Babies survive at an earlier stage. We know more about when a baby can feel pain. She wanted to completely dismiss that. You saw this firsthand in some of the work you did before before you came pro, became pro-life. Yeah, she did. She did completely dismiss that. She actually compared a dead person. Uh, she compared a, a a person who is brain dead to a a child in the womb Um made that comparison she she did completely dismiss um all of the medical advancement that's been made in the past 50 years in the fields of fetal maternal medicine uh and and she knows that's a lie i mean i mean you have to know that's a lie we're we're 
literally reversing spina bifida on babies in the womb now. I mean, they're they're performing surgeries extraordinary. on babies in the womb today. They're they're fixing heart defects on babies in the womb. I mean, it, it's incredible what we're able to do. I mean, there was a baby, the tiniest baby that's been born alive and survived weighed less than a can of soda. I mean, it's amazing that that did not happen 48 years ago. Well, but I she, loved when you I loved when you said that the other day at our event. But she literally sits up there on the bench and says, no medical advancement in the past 50 years. So it's you know, you would hope that in the Supreme Court, you would not have these sorts of activist judges that are, you know, shilling for Planned Parenthood and organizations like them. But you do. I mean, you would hope that you would just have judges that are trying to, you know, strictly interpret the Constitution of the United States. And what I love that Thomas said at one point in time is he said, you know, you talk to me about the Second Amendment and I, you know, I I know what the Second Amendment is about. You talk to me about the Fourth Amendment. I know what the fourth. He's like, you talk to me about abortion. I can't find that. In the Constitution. Like, I don't know where that is. And that's what I was really looking forward to with the Dobbs case was hearing these solicitors, these opposing solicitors argue for a constitutional right to abortion. And I have to say they did not do a good job. You know, in the beginning in 1973 or 1972, when they were arguing for the right to abortion, it was the right to privacy. Right. That's how they that's how they snuck abortion in was the right to privacy in this hearing. Now, they were saying that we need abortion because of a right to liberty. Right. So now they completely changed the argument. Yeah. Always moving the goalposts. They've they've completely blown it. I mean, it doesn't even make sense. Um, You know, right to autonomy, right to liberty, uh, you know, and it's like, well, that's not why they originally argued for a right to abortion. Yeah, how convenient to do that after the fact. We're talking with Abby Johnson. She leads a wonderful pro-life ministry called And Then There Were None, helping women leave the abortion movement, having a place to go, to land, to be supported when they leave the abortion industry. And she's doing great great work for the pro-life movement. Let's talk for a few minutes after Roe. I mean, we're making that assumption. We're preparing. I think we've already been preparing for many years. But let's have a conversation just a second on what the after Roe culture and climate looks like. We know $100 million in the state of Texas allocated for the Alternatives to Abortion Fund to support women. We know close to 400 pregnancy centers in the state of Texas ready to support women and children. Um, You know, our our friends at Students for Life say that there are 3,000 of those entities across the country. I do think we're ready or we're prepared or there are pieces in place for that after row moment. What's your experience on this issue? Yeah, I mean, I I would agree. I I think that we are we are getting closer and closer to, um, you know, being ready for, for that moment. I mean, Texas has been uh, a a great sort of test subject, (laughs) a test state for, uh, for overturning Roe. We're, you know, of course, one of the largest states and uh, we have one, unfortunately, one of the highest abortion rates. So, you know, we've done a, a great job. Pregnancy resource centers across our state have stepped up. They have stepped in the gap. Texans have stepped up and, and stepped in the gap. We have, you know, like you said, the um, TPCN funding, uh, Texas Pregnancy Care Network funding, you know, 
our our legislature has stepped up and said, look, we're going to fund women who are in crisis pregnancies. We're going to fund these resource centers that are providing alternatives to abortion. Um, so, you know, we're doing our job. We're doing it well. And we're really providing sort of a blueprint. This is what Texas does. Uh, we're providing a blueprint for other states. So, you know, that that when Roe is overturned, other states can look to Texas and say, how did you do it? Right. What is this TPCN funding you're talking about? What are you doing? How does it work? And how can we implement this in our state? Yeah, well, again, and it's happening right now. I mean, th- these I mean, you, the Supreme Court term is going to be over by the end of June. They have to make a decision. I mean, that's typically how they do things. They will make a decision by the end of June next year. They certainly could make one before that. But history has not shown them to do that. The Texas heartbeat law was a little bit different because they fast track what, you know, in large part were procedural discussions, but they certainly were teed up in a way that the abortion groups wanted to have the Texas heartbeat law restricted, if not substantially completely. And they didn't get that. They were turned away uh, completely on that effort, but we could see something in the next six to eight months. I'm losing track of where we are, I guess, June, December, uh, six to seven months. And so, but we've already been preparing for that. A lot of states are looking to Texas and some of the work we're doing, not only the Texas heartbeat law, but look, the Roe versus Wade case came from Texas. So no surprise that we'd have some connection to where that issue is now and where it might end up in preparing for what a post-Roe uh, environment looks like. There's actually good friends of ours at Family Policy Alliance. They have a website and an effort put together called afterrow.com. We're supporting that effort as well. And we put some resources towards that and some information from Texas. You can check that out. Uh, Abby, talk to me a little bit about your ministry and then there were none and, and, and where y'all are seeing things as far as, you know, women being in a position um, and, and not the, about the decision whether or not to protect the child in their womb, but for them individual to leave. Because I think the less you know, people, there are less people that are seeing themselves as someone who wants to be involved in that industry, you know, the, the less likely that's taking place as well. Well, you know, we've had, we're over 600 abortion clinic workers who have left the industry and have come through our ministry. And it's not just success for us to, we don't consider it success if they just leave and we get them another job. It's success for us if they leave their job and we develop a relationship with them and we help them get into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what success for us. So we've helped 600 workers do that. Um, and, and so, uh, you know, we consider that a a huge win, uh, you know, an eternal win. And, um, and so we've been able to do that. We've been able to shut down because of these workers, 28 abortion facilities, which is, which is huge. Um, you know, the abortion clinic worker is frightening to the abortion industry because we know their secrets. This is why Planned Parenthood took me to court when I left and tried to get a gag order against me, a permanent injunction of disclosure against me, because we know all the dirty laundry, right? We know the secrets. Um, we know where the secrets are buried. So uh, they want to keep us quiet. They need to keep us quiet. And that's why we have free legal help for all of these workers in all 50 states. We have attorneys that have come forward and have said, you know, we'll represent them uh, at no cost. We're currently right now, um, we have several lawsuits uh, going right now against various facilities and abortion clinic uh, doctors. So um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's huge. And I, I can tell you right now, the abortion industry is in a complete frenzy. 
Um, we oh, have I, I had in the past two weeks, we have had more abortion clinic workers reach out to us in the past two weeks than we had all year long. Wow. Um, the abortion industry is in complete disarray. Uh, they are firing people. People are being let go. Uh, they're having layoffs. They People are completely disgruntled. The morale is tanking. It's at an all-time low. These abortion clinic workers are calling us, reaching out to us, saying, I can't do this anymore. I don't want to work here anymore. Things are just, it, it, it's crazy in the abortion oh, I can imagine right now. It's, un it's unraveling quite a bit, and it's probably coming from different directions. I want to believe a lot of it has to, to do with the prayer over years oh, yeah. and the work over decades of trying to create an environment where people understand the value of the human being, the value of that unborn, that preborn child. And the, as they appreciate that more, these things that they're doing are involved with taking that human life have become more difficult as we talk about have, making abortion unthinkable. Uh, we're about to run out of time. Abby, I just want to say thank you so much for the work you continue to do. Loved having you at our event with Governor Perry earlier this week to, to talk about some of the work, to celebrate some of that, but also to get people focused on what we need to do next to really make this become a reality. And so just want to continue to say, we appreciate you. Uh, God bless you. And hope you have a Merry Christmas with your family. Awesome. Thank you. You guys too. All right. I got just a few seconds left because we went a little bit longer. Anytime you have Abby Johnson on and she's got great things to say, we got like to continue that conversation. We need your financial support. Our work to continue to protect the Texas heartbeat law, to educate people about it. The other work we did on religious liberty this year, the save women's sports issue. You go down the line. This is one of the best investments you can make. We are a nonprofit organization. Go to txvalues.org, make that tax-deductible donation today, and you can help us protect faith, family, and freedom in the state of Texas. And we'll talk to you next week on the Texas Values Report.